data storytellers. Welcome on the newest edition of the Data Storytellers podcast. Today is kind of a special episode. Um, I was really looking forward to this. And please welcome on the show, Brian Balter from GNJ Pepsi. Brian, welcome on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to take a special angle, um, but I'm just going to shake the box a little bit before uh, revealing what the actual topic is. Just to warm up the, the conversation, uh, can you give a short introduction uh, to what you do now, what your role is, and uh, what your mission is at the moment? Absolutely. So I currently work for G&J Pepsi. I'm the vice president of um, business transformation and digital technology. Uh, our mission is to provide the best quality products and services to the rest of the organization. Um, and really, we want to focus on addressing business problems and um, digitally enabling all of our employees. And our number one mission is simplification. Simplify, simplify, simplify. Make it as easy as possible for our business partners to do their jobs every day um, and to simplify the processes, the business processes that they utilize every day. Hmm. So tell us a little bit about your professional journey. How did you get into the world of data analytics? Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's important to, to share a little bit of background, um, just where I came from, my up upbringing. Um, I grew up in blue collared Midwest, um, Ohio family who, you know, just hardworking people come from a family of printers and veterans, upholsterers, homemakers. Right. So I actually started working when I was 12 years old and I've had a job ever since. Um, and really, I think, you know, I was taught the value of that hard work, getting an education, making good decisions. And, and by doing so, you know, you can get anywhere you want in life. Uh, I graduated from the University of Cincinnati with an economics degree. And uh, my goal was to be a stockbroker or a financial investor back in the day. Um, and that was really at the beginning of the IT boom, back in the early and mid 90s. And at that time, I had no desire to get into technology, to get into data and analytics, and it really wasn't even on my radar. Um, and then I think back about my life around that time, and I look back at my grandma, and she was she was quite progressive um, and heavily interested in technology back then. Before databases were even a, a mainstream thing, she had built her own database to organize all of her boxes in her garage. Um, she categorized things, labeled them, stored them, and then she created a database to help her manage um, all of her items, all of her boxes in her house. Um, and that really was my first introduction uh, into data uh, and something that she had done on a DOS-based system using the five and a quarter floppy disks. Um, and so then I fast forward a few years and I received this offer to be a data center manager. Um, and I had zero technology experience, but I had leadership and management experience at the time. And so I remember sitting down with my grandparents and, you know, I, I highly respected their input. Um, and, you know, I, I can remember just like it was yesterday, sitting in their living room, asking for their advice. Um, and my, my grandma says to me, she says, take advantage of this offer. She said, get into IT. Technology is going to change the world around us. Um, she said, if you don't if you don't like it, you can always fall back on your educational studies and, and go into, you know, investing. But um, but give this a try. I really think you're going to you find something that you like here. And she said, and just give it everything you got. And so that's really where it began back in 1996 when I got my my first crack into IT. Um, 
And I think maybe just a little more more background for the listeners is I, I have some I have experience in the banking industry, IT shared services, healthcare, manufacturing, and now I'm in the beverage and retail industry. Um, and I find myself most interested in the spaces where manufacturing plays a significant part of the business. So here at Gene J Pepsi, we manufacture our own Pepsi and Dr. Pre- Dr. Pepper products. We um, blow and make our own bottles. We're a logistics company. We're a sales and distribution business. And we even have our own print shop where we make point of sale products, signs, shippers, things of that, that nature. So it's a really a lot of fun to be in a company that operates across multiple industries. And so I've been really fortunate to have done a lot of different things from a technology perspective in my career, whether that's been hardware or software, uh, everything in between. I spent time as a software developer, a radio frequency architect, an ERP analyst, um, a programmer, and a Lean Six Sigma black belt. Um, so I've been in the professional, I've been a professional te- technologist for about 30 years now, um, but I spent many years in the data space. Uh, and I, I was a DBA, a data analyst, ran multiple data and analytics teams for, for multiple companies like GE and G&J Pepsi. And with all those different experiences, I stumbled upon some very strategic synergies between focusing on process improvement, um, efficiencies, data analysis within the Lean Six Sigma space, as well as the data realm. Okay, that's really cool. And actually, this, this was uh, uh, super helpful. I didn't know about your background, by the way. This is, might be the reason why we had some some good report going on. I had a similar uh, upbringing, actually. I think my okay. yeah, yeah, my first job when, when I was 12 I was working at a construction site, helping out my uncle, just making some pocket money, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that was a lot of fun. I was like a pool guard when I was 15, 16. Uh, but it's interesting. It definitely wasn't my grandma who got me into technology. I think it was more yeah. like that, more like my dad, who, who is an accountant to this day, but he's a kind of accountant who creates his own accounting software. So oh, he, cool. he writes okay. his own code. Just a, like a funny side note, he doesn't even speak English, but he self-educated himself still on English forums. It's just like one of those things, right? So he was super That's into fantastic. technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, I want to ask you, by the way, I see the Marine Corps logo behind you. Uh, is there a story there? Well, so my son, um, I, I come from a family of veterans, like I mentioned, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, my son was uh, was in the Marine Corps. He um, and my nephew is currently in the Marine Corps. Um, and uh, so when he was in the Marine Corps, uh, there was a, a, a group of uh, elementary school kids that were fourth through sixth grade. And they did this uh, little stone mural um, and they built that. And then people had to bid. They auctioned off all their work. And people had to bid on it, and uh, we we bid on it. We we were actually uh, we won the bid, and uh, just thought it was super cool that these fourth and sixth graders were trying to pay tribute to our veterans, and all the money that they received were donated to veterans who were struggling with um, mental health issues or homelessness. So it was a really great charity that we were able to participate in, and uh, so I I hung that up in in honor of uh, my family of vets and my son and my nephew, and. Uh, it was great to to see him. He was uh, he he served our country, uh, was in special ops, served overseas, uh, saw combat, um, and now works for the missile defense agency. So that's kind of the story in the background behind the the mural. Oh, that's there. that's beautiful. God bless him. Well, actually, I also wanted to ask because uh, um, we're kind of close to the military. Uh, me and Paul, mm-hmm. my co-founder, right? Uh, Paul is still uh, um, in the military, uh, and um, I used to be in the in the reserves um, in the in the British Corps. And um, I went to um, officer school back okay. in Hungary. And we actually uh, had a lot of collaborations with the Marine Corps specifically. 
So we nice. had a lot of uh, commiseration on the very special circumstances of you know how life is in the Marine Corps, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So we had yeah, a... they're hard nosed guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So no, th that's fantastic. Okay. So uh, with you, I think one of the threads, and maybe this could be like the little segue into one of the main topics I want to talk to you about is you mentioned Lean Six Sigma in mm -hmm. your background. So that's a fascinating area for us. We used to work with Lean Six Sigma. So Mike Hazeos, who used to be a senior Toyota executive in a previous company that we built and sold in London, uh, one of our side brands was manufacturing leaders. And we, okay. worked, with the, we worked with Mike uh, touring the Kentucky plant in Georgetown, uh, Kentucky, uh, yeah. which is uh, like very, you know, Toyota, of course. Toyota. Uh, yeah, yeah, they are the the absolute gold standard of lean. I mean, they right. came up with the methodology, right? Japanese so, did in the Toyota. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's a very interesting topic for us right now to hear at the data storytellers. So just where our business is, uh, like our growth. I think you get you guys can relate in data analytics too. You can either have the the problem of trying to find customers and trying to find traction, trying to find the right projects. Or you can have already a lot of traction. You know what you're doing. Uh, customers are coming to you, but you need to optimize your processes, right? Right. And right. that's the stage where we are. So it's absolutely a topic that I'm focusing on. I'm I'm just right. hiring a business operations leader in the company as well. So Lean Six Sigma, uh, Six Sigma kind of came to the forefront of my thinking these days. So can you just give me a little bit of uh, an introduction as if I was completely ignorant? Um, I'm, I might be, but not maybe not completely, but also for maybe the listeners who haven't heard about Lean Six Sigma before, what is this? Uh, what are we sure. talking about? Yeah, so there are two different there are two methodologies that kind of are are, are uh, there's a synergy between them, right? Mm -hmm. So lean is a process improvement tool that works to simplify and make business processes more efficient. Six Sigma is the method that provides organizations with tools to improve capability of their business processes. So things such as increases in performance, decreases in process variation, you know, reducing defects. Um, improving profits, maybe improving uh, employee morale, improving the quality of products or services that that a uh, an organization offers. So whenever you think about Lean Six Sigma, you're using it to solve a business problem. Think about it in terms of a, a math function or a math equation where Y equals a function of X, one, two, three, and four. So Y is your business problem, right? And then you have a function, like whatever is causing that business problem X1 being problem number one or input number one, X2 being problem or input number two, so on and so forth. So I always think of it as Y is a function of X1, two, three, and four. And what you do is you collect data on all of those different individual Xs, um, identify the size of that issue, and then Pareto that out, and then go focus on those things that have the biggest impact on causing that, that business problem, that performance issue. Um, and so we look at it as, there's a process called to make, define, measure, analyze, improve, and control. And you use those different phases to drive efficiencies and to drive um, improvements in whatever business problem you're working to solve for. Hmm, very interesting. Also, when we got into um, Lean, so we collaborated with Toyota specifically. And what was very interesting to us, it was a, it was a bestseller, right? We had companies coming from all over the world to tour the, the Toyota plant to see how they mm -hmm. can implement the same methodology to, to elevate their the quality and efficiency of their processes. And what was sure. fantastic is that Toyota 
is still the only company. And by the way, we're not affiliated. There's no uh, discount Toyota discount code at the like footnotes <laughs> of the show at all. So, so it's just genuinely a fantastic story that they are the only company that welcome every other brand and organization, including their main competitors, to come to their plant and look into what's happening under the hood. They don't mind. It at is all. fascinating. It yeah. is fascinating, and they don't mind because actually, with lean and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but because of this continuous improvement, you can know the recipe, but still right. it's about actually executing and optimizing over time. It's not something that you can just make happen, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. You have to continually go back and revisit your business processes and identify, are things still in control? And if they're not, then let's go hone in on those issues and let's let's ensure that the process stays in control, right? So you're it's a it's a method of continuous improvement. You're always improving and always looking to to drive uh, efficiencies up, drive cost out, drive uh, variation out of the process. Mm -hmm. And with this, you know, uh, by their fruits, they're judged because actually, if you look at Toyota, um, Toyota, the like a Toyota vehicle might be the most durable and resilient of all the manufacturers, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if if you just look at like across all models, because they are just so tight with right. how they optimize. So right. how is this relevant? to data analytics practitioners, maybe even to senior data analytics practitioners at large companies from, from, from your perspective? Yeah, I think it really comes down to fostering collaboration with the business. Um, that's how I look at it. Like we're, we're here to support the business to make their jobs easier, to find efficiencies, to grow revenue. Um, you know, you heard me talk about it earlier. We want to digitally enable all of our employees, but we want to simplify their work and make it as easy as possible for them. And I think it, it, it comes down to fostering that collaboration, right? Um, gaining buy-in. When it, when it comes down to the very core of what we're, I think what the data storytelling team is all about is just that storytelling, right? And as technologists and as data experts, we have to be relatable to our business partners, whoever we're working with to solve their problem for, we have to be relatable to them, right? It's our job to do the statistical analysis, the data analysis, and interpret those results into a story that, that resonates with our business partners. Um, but they need, they need to understand, we, we need to be able to, to, to understand their problem. Um, and we need to be able to connect with them. And, um, and with that, understanding what the data is telling us, right? And so there's no better way to do that than through storytelling. Mm. And so I think you have to build a story that resonates with your business partners and, and, and turn it into something that they can get excited about. I think, you know, when I look at my team and, and the work that we're doing and partnering with the business, it's imperative on my team and I to use the, the basic concepts of Lean Six Sigma and get to the Gemba. So, you know, for those that aren't familiar with Lean Six Sigma or may not know what the term Gemba means, in layman's terms, it basically means um, get to where the problem occurs, right? So you mentioned that, you know, Toyota started this and, and it came from a Japanese background. Gemba is a Japanese term, but basically get where the problem is. Um, regardless of your role, it's really important, critically important that you observe the issue for yourself firsthand and be able to ask questions to the people who are, who are impacted by that issue, right? Ask for the recommendations. Um, oftentimes you'll find that those that are impacted by the issue probably have incredibly valuable input or even ideas or possibly solutions um, to solving that problem, but they'll definitely have background. And so when you're out there in the Gemba, observing it for yourself, your team's out there, 
that's when it allows you to really focus in on what's truly happening and will then spark the ability to drive solutions. We have a motto on my team that says, we'll never put a great technology solution, whether that's um, an, anal you know, an an data and analytics solution, whether that is some technology solution, but we'll never put a great technology solution on a bad process. So it's so important that we evaluate the business processes for rework, inefficiency, cost out opportunities, you know, whatever it might be before we build a solution. And I think that's really important to storytelling um, and really important to your success as a, as a data team or as, as a technology team in order to help solve those problems for the business. Hmm, it's fascinating to me because in a way, we look at storytelling in a similar way. It's a, it's a tool. So mm -hmm. by what you're telling me, I see already like Lean Six Sigma as a tool that you can use, right? That's correct. A and storytelling is the same. A lot of times I, th I think there's an air of mystique and a lot of confusion and misunderstanding mm -hmm. even about storytelling, like what that is. Just like any good tool, it's quite complex and multifaceted with mm -hmm. you know various fields of application and storytelling if you actually want to be a good storyteller you know apart from the gimmicks because most of the storytelling you know courses and solutions are about just the superficial the, the cherry on top you know how right. should you design your your ppt or when you're you know pub public speaking how should you hold your hands and all that it's like silly stuff but storytelling if you go deep it's really about relationship building and mm -hmm. that relatability Absolutely. What you just mentioned about understanding your audience. I did not know that Gamba meant get to the problem. I heard it being thrown around, but mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those, it's it's uh it's the secret handshake of the of the Lean Sigma crowd, right? That they understand, <laughs> right. but it's fascinating to me. I, I didn't know this. Can you tell me a little bit more about how that actually happens? Like, do you have best practices of how how you actually get to the problem? Yeah, I think when you consider integrating analytics into the business. And using Lean Six Sigma as a tool, as you mentioned, um, particularly when you're talking about storytelling and solving business solutions um, or, or driving business transformation or cultural change, right? Um, it comes down to delivering value and, and using the tools at your disposal, using the tools in your toolbox to really have a positive impact uh, on, on the company, right? So first and foremost, the way I look at it is you have to define the business problem that you're trying to solve. Uh, Define it, scope it properly, gather buy-in and support from the leadership team, as well as those that are affected by the issue. The second thing I think is, like I mentioned, get to the Gemba. Go observe it for yourself. Um, just like any technology component, you know, get out there. You can't just sit behind your desk in another building and try to solve a problem on your own for somebody. You have to get out there, see it for yourself, be able to ask questions in real time to the users, get in the field and participate in the process, right? That makes you feel a part of it, but it also makes them feel like you're connected to their problem as well, and you're seeing it firsthand, and then they it builds trust and camaraderie with, with the business, right? And I think you have to include your business partners in the development of whatever insight or solution or analytic that you're trying to uh, work on, and they'll become a champion for your work, right? They'll be the ones that share with leadership, up within leadership, that you're solving the problems, that you're shedding light into how to address their issues. Um, and they'll they'll share that experience with even others around them in the company, which then will drive more requests and garner more support for you and your team. I think the other thing is, is you know, the you think about the KISS principle, right? Keep it simple, stupid. No one <laughs> wants to go into a meeting or a collaboration session and feel inferior, right? 
they want when people think about technology or data and analytics, they can get frightened or you're even turned off by it. So, you know, people will fear the unknown and the things that that are foreign to them. And so you have to bring them along in the journey and you have to be relatable. Talk in terms of concepts and ideas that make sense to them. Um, they don't want to hear how you're using Python or R code to supplement your machine learning models, right? They, they don't care about that. Um, and, and that'll push them away and scare them. So they want to know that you understand their issue, their process, their problem, and that you're assisting to solve that. And I think, you know, like I mentioned before, use that as an opportunity to drive continuous improvements, teach those same skills and ideas to your business partners. They'll start to incorporate that in their daily lives. Um, and I think that's really where you see the intersection between data and analytics and Lean Six Sigma. So, you know, like we mentioned, Lean Six Sigma is all about continuous improvement, keeping things in control. Um, and once you implement that solution, um, you're bringing about that visibility to the problem through data and through process improvement to keep it in control. And that's where you're going to really, I think, drive value and integrating analytics and data into the business in collaboration with, with Lean and Six Sigma. This is awesome. So it's so funny that uh, now that as you're talking, I can see why it's it's almost like a posture. So storytelling is a posture too, you know? So what I mean by that is that good storytelling always relates to the audience. That's like the the non-starter. That's where you begin good storytelling so mm -hmm. that you identify who the audience is and then you right. can speak in a way that will spark their imagination, that will connect to their worlds. Now, this is also, it has to do with psychology. So just to put my business psychologist head on for a second, what we observed over the years is that a lot of times the overuse of jargon in highly technical fields, including data analytics, actually comes from the insecurity of not knowing the business, not speaking the business language. So sure. everyone's almost like retreating. This is all subconscious, by the way, retreating into what they know and they almost like double down on right? Mm -hmm. Using highly yeah. technical language because they need to kind of demonstrate that, hey, this is my expertise. And the, the tragedy in this is that th this expertise is immensely valuable, right? It's like, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, unique in terms of what it can actually deliver to the business. But a lot of that value just gets lost in the vacuum of this disconnection between the audience and the, the, the data storyteller, right? And then sure. I also see that when you and I spoke, so for example, you attended the, the masterclass and many of the other attendees, because we follow up with everyone, right? Like also with mm -hmm. you and everyone mentioned that, yeah, it was great. And, uh, you know, I spoke to this and this person and, and, and Brian from Pepsi, you know, he had like a really cool perspective, you know, he brought something, something new and they just really appreciated your insights and approach. And I had the same impression when we did the reflections, because you, you also said that, Hey, yeah, this was great. Like we, we had these conversations. And also, and also, it's almost like my responsibility to give you points of continuous improvement, right? Right. So, right. so yeah. you could consider this, and people yeah. appreciate this so much, right? Like, like it's uh, it's amazing because now, when even I think about you, I know that okay, you bring this posture to the conversation that just generates value because of the posture itself, mm -hmm. right? So, so this is really cool. How do you think that, like, do you, how do you inspire your team to do the same? Because I imagine that when you work with data scientists and data analytics practitioners, this kind of posture for most of them must be unknown, right? So how do you right. instill that mindset? Yeah, so that's it, a great question. Um, when I started uh, here at G&J four and a half years ago, 
um, it was it was kind of uh, it, it was really surprising to me that we have a manufacturing company here and have never utilized Lean Six Sigma as part of process improvement efficiencies. And you know we have a project going on right now around can line efficiency and how can we make our can lines and bottle lines run more efficient. Um, and so it, it was a change in mindset. It was a change in culture. Um, that's why we had this business transformation team that's focused on driving process improvement across the company. Um, let me give you a, a, a real world experience, um, a real situation that we encountered here at G&J and, and how focusing on process first was so important and so valuable to our success. Now, the example I'm going to give you isn't necessarily a data or analytics specific example, but it, it certainly applies to data and analytics or, or any role in the data space. Um, but I think it highlights the importance of addressing process issues before moving forward with any type of technical solution. Um, so a few years ago, we were implementing a new field service solution for our service tech. So these are the guys that go out and fix the Pepsi coolers, the fountain machines, the ice machines, um, whatever it might be. So our field service team has won the PepsiCo Service Award for something like 12 or 13 straight years. Just an awesome team that do an absolutely phenomenal job each and every day. And unfortunately for this team, they have won that award by working harder, not smarter. And it wasn't their fault. It was because that they didn't have the right technology in their hands, but they also had never had an opportunity where someone came in and really analyzed and assessed assess their business processes to really find out why they had to overcome these things every single day and why they had to work harder. So through this implementation, um, we literally were turning their worlds upside down and provided them with a state of tech technology that, that, that would allow them to be more efficient and, and simplify their jobs. Um, but the first thing that we did was examine their business process. So like I said, no one had ever examined them before. And we actually had mapped out over 150 different processes before we ever implemented a single technology solution. And these processes were something that they had in their head, um, something that, uh, that, that multiple people across multiple teams just innately had known what to do because they'd been here for 15, 20, 30, some even 40 years. Um, and they just knew what the process was in their head, but just decided that they were gonna overcome these challenges without trying to break them down and make them more efficient. So this example I'm gonna provide you is, is one where we had 180,000 manual touch points over the course of a single year. In other words, a single process had 18 individual man, manual touch points that they ran over 100,000 times every year. So you think about it, 18 times 100,000, right? You're, you're gonna get 180,000 um, different different data points and different touch points, right? And so once we applied our analytics to the data and then redesigned the process, we were able to layer technology on top of that and reduce that process that typically took about 10 days with 18 manual touch points and we reduced it down to 35 seconds. Now I know that sounds unbelievable, but it's actually true. And I think that's a perfect example of focusing on process first before layering on technology and analytics to solve a business problem. And it's, I think it's also a great example of how Lean Six Sigma and analytics and technology come together. And I could share countless other examples that we use this method to drive efficiencies and costs out of our environments. This is amazing. And something that um, just you know put my ears earlier 
and just dropped it that, oh, this is how we also create camaraderie with our business partners. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, just from the angle of psychology, it's a very powerful tool when you can create that camaraderie from the perspective of becoming that trusted advisor. You know, right. when, when you can enter into their roles. Of course, when you can learn their language, when you can speak uh, their lingo, you know, instead of expecting or demanding that they will speak yours, just because, you know, we are in a data-driven world and data is mm-hmm. the new oil, where you should know what a data lake is, you know? No, instead, let's go to the business and really have this, you know, posture of curiosity, understanding where they're coming from. And the other is that, okay, when you start working with them, creating that camaraderie on the front lines and then solving this problem with them even when you like gave me the points of hey this this could be like an uh, an opportunity for you guys to consider right mm-hmm. i felt like we were working together right in that right. Uh, in, in that moment so can you talk to uh, talk to me a little bit about that of, of what kind of benefits you've seen over the years from you becoming that trusted advisor, especially if you think about creating that camaraderie and working with the business like getting your your hands dirty yeah. You know, it's easy for those of us that are in some type of technology role to sit behind the desk and, and do what we do, right? Lean on that expertise that you, you talked about before. Um, but I and, and I think historically, those of us in technology tend to be introverted and they, we want to stay in our own little space. But you said it, it's it's so exciting to get out there on a plant floor or walk the store with a salesperson, right? And observe what they're doing every day and ask questions. Why do you do it this way? You know, there's there's a tool that you use in Lean Six Sigma around five whys and ask why, 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 why? And you get deeper and deeper and deeper into the core of what's driving that problem. Um, but being able to just go out there and observe in real time what's happening uh, it is absolutely fascinating. I- I'll give you another example. Um, about work that we we would been doing um, with our sales team. So we had our leadership team say, "Hey, we'd love for 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 the team to give us a predicted forecasted order." Um, and, and so th- let me let me set the stage here. When you think about an order writer at Gene J Pepsi, they have an iPad. They might go into a Walmart or a Kroger or a Meyer store, right? A large format store. And you will have Pepsi and Dr. Pepper products, um, Gatorade products, Starbucks products all over the store. You'll have your your aisle where you have all of the pop and all of the teas and coffees and waters and so forth. But you'll probably have something over in the deli section. You may have something over in the dairy section. You might have um, a cooler um, by the tobacco section or all the coolers in the checkout lanes, right? And so every sales associate would walk into one of these stores and they may have a different process how they walk the store. So before we took this project on, we actually um, used our business transformation team to go out and assess the the process, right? So um, we have a data team that's led by Dan Foster and Andrew O'Brien on our team. And then we have a business transformation team led by Becky Wessel. And they worked to develop this machine learning solution. But before we implemented that machine learning solution, it was all about focusing on the process. Let's standardize the process and how you walk a store every single day to make sure that we're eliminating that process variation. And then we brought in stakeholders, right? And we started talking about what the problems were and and analyzed the data of that process. And then the data team went back 
And then they built these machine learning modules um, in Microsoft Azure. And we started to produce a predicted order. So when an order writer goes in to a store, they may have 250 or 350 plus SKUs that they have to manually enter every day. So when I talked about the process of where they might be in the deli section, the, the beverage aisle, the, the coolers, they're in their head counting, okay, I have X number of bottles of Pepsi, Dr. Pepper, Mountain Dew, whatever it might be, right? And they're tallying it and, and then they're entering it into their iPad manually every day that they go in. Tedious, long process. So after standardizing the process and implementing a machine learning model, we are now pushing a predicted forecasted order to them. And now they may only have to tweak it 5% of the time. So instead of manually entering 350 SKUs or quantity for those, now they're only tweaking maybe 15, maybe 17, maybe 10. Um, but we're seeing about a 95, 96% acceptance rate on the data that we're sharing with them. And that's all because we took the time to first standardize the process, remove the variation in the process, then focus on the date, what the data is telling us, and then be able to deliver an analytic um, based off of that data. This is really cool. And I actually have a question like connected directly to this, but just before mm -hmm. you, you know, when we did a reflection after the masterclass and uh, yeah. I told you like one of these things and many, many things that we've identified over the years. And then there's this, uh, you know, threefold, uh, almost like a recipe or a roadmap of how to become that trusted business advisor, but you want to be the data mm -hmm. conciliator. And we mentioned, right? Like the trust, the value, and then the, position slash status slash frame that you have in a company, right? So okay. this is kind yep. of like set, setting fire. You cannot make it happen. You need to create the conditions, like a flammable object, the heat and the oxygen. When those coexist, then the fire happens. Right. And right. the same thing, if you, have, if you are in a position where people trust you, when you provide them value, and also you are like well positioned in terms of your respect and status, of how mm -hmm. they relate to you, then that business advisor uh, uh, quality just emerges, right? And right. I really like this. I haven't thought about it before, but now as we're, we're talking through it, of how actually this Lean Six Sigma approach supports all of these. Because let's say if people you know trust you and you provide them value, but you don't have the right position, let's say in the data world, this would be the equivalent of the, the data vending machine. You know, They trust mm -hmm. it that they, they press the button and the report comes out. Right. So that's right. great. And it can be valuable, but still, that's not where you want to be. Right. If you want to grow and you want to have an exceptional right. level of success in data analytics. Same is true, let's say, for uh, if you're uh, valuable and you're well positioned, but they don't trust you, they don't want to engage with you. Right. And the mm -hmm. same is if you have trust and uh, and the right status and position, that's fantastic. But if you don't provide value, people won't prioritize you. Absolutely. Again, you have to have the three. And it's really cool yeah. that in this case, just the general approach just fosters trust because first of all, you will like get closer to the business partner. Also the value just that that's where it's all at, right? Like the providing more value, but also, and this is what I haven't thought about before. It really fortifies your position too, because people really respect when you kind of take this proactive approach and let me find out like what you're doing and let me give you these recommendations, right? Let me, right. It's, it's almost like this, this like thin layer of friction that you need to break through of, no, I'm going to go out and proactively recommend right. improvement and doing it uh, the right way. So, so this is, this is really cool. And let, my me, question let me just is, add, sure. let me, let me emphasize your point there about that trust and bringing value. 
So when we were doing the initial pilot of that order assist project of delivering a predicted forecasted order to the sales associates, we had one of our sales members who was part of that pilot. And he actually came to us and said, you know, if I were to be offered a promotion, I'm not sure I'd take it because I love being a part of this project so much and I see the value it's bringing. I want to tell other people about it. And we're like, whoa, 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 we want you to take the promotion. But it was awesome that he felt that tied to that project and saw the value it was bringing that he was that excited that he didn't want to leave the project. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great example of stepping out of our seats, right? Getting out of our seats, getting to where the problem is, partnering with you know, others across the business and gaining buy-in and, and respect by delivering value collaboratively together to solve business problems. I just want to share that story because I think it emphasizes exactly what you were saying. Absolutely. And you see in this case, like people want to work with you and that like the importance of that, like cannot be overstated. So even right. from, from, from our perspective, just the nature of our business is we are legitimately looking for people that we will like working with, because also if you attend a masterclass, you provide a non-trivial portion of the attendee experience. It's right. actually really, really important. So another example, uh, uh, Jody Blomberg. So Jody is the senior director of data science at Waste Management, WM, right? I think mm -hmm. they're one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, like waste they're management huge. company. Yeah, right. yeah, they are huge. And I had a conversation with Jody and she was great. You could really feel that like approach of collaboration coming from her. And then uh, I remember seeing one of her LinkedIn posts where she was standing in like construction boots and a construction hat, just, you know, being on the ground with their users and stakeholders uh and i was like yeah definitely like like jody is someone we want to yeah. work with and it's it's just so important and then when you're there that everything becomes easier so it just pays dividends in ways mm -hmm. that you cannot even fathom and suddenly all these smaller issues that you have that might seem isolated just magically disappear right 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 so that's fantastic. Yeah. And and my question was going to be, and I know that we're coming up against, like, I knew that this would happen, by the way, we, we, we blocked out more time than usual, but it just kind of, you know, blew by. So when you have these successes, when you have these successes, you, you listed a lot of like very tangible, measurable mm -hmm. improvements. How do you make sure that you leverage that success to like so solidify that success through storytelling? So how do you tell stories about your success in the business? Yeah, again, it's it's comes down to being relatable. Don't use the technical terms, you know, you again when you're out there with the business doing the job with them um and you're gaining buy-in, they're going to tell the story for on your behalf for you. They're going to go to their leaders, they're going to go to their peers. They're going to go to those around them and say, "Hey, you want to go work with with uh, you know, your digital technology and business transformation team." Um I, I have a great story of when we were implementing this chilled juice solution and um, our business transformation uh, director, Becky Wessel was out on the warehouse floor and they didn't have enough hands to put chilled stickers on certain things. And she's out there with the warehouse team, peeling labels, putting them on things and getting out there. Right. And that built so much camaraderie and credibility with the business that they just started telling the story on our behalf and we didn't have to tell it for them. Right. It builds that trust. And so, you know, I, I, we, my team and I have been working on this for the last four and a half years since I've been here, which is be relatable. Um, make sure the business understands what you're talking about in terms that make sense to them 
and you're talking about the value you're bringing and and you're talking about you know the that this process is in control and the data is telling us here's the ROI that we we achieved on this um, but it really comes down to just bringing those business partners and along in that journey and make them part of that process they'll tell the story for you it, it really literally works that way which is fantastic and I think that's the punchline too like they will tell the story for you because you will basically create these champions and right. you're almost also and correct me if I'm wrong but you're almost like teaching them this process this tool as well by first of all embodying right. those principles right. and then bringing them in then they will tell a story about you but it's also like what you bring in that sense because again I just look at this lean six sigma now I think it's been confirmed in this conversation it's, it's this very cool tool that is just very worth yeah. implementing into your arsenal our goal is to bring in business partners into our team, teach them the skills of Lean Six Sigma, and then let them go back out into the business. And that's how we're going to make this part of our DNA as a company, part of our culture, right? Because they're going to have this mindset of continuous improvement if we do that. If we're partnering with them and they're seeing the value, then they're like, hey, I want to be a part of your team. Teach me this so that I can go back into operations or I can go back out into the fleet or I can go back into sales and use what I learned to drive efficiencies throughout the rest of the organization. Well, I think, Amen, this is like a great way to also land a plane with it because um, I think this was a very well-rounded podcast in that sense. We zoomed in on this particular tool that probably most of our, uh, most of our listeners are not familiar with. And mm -hmm. now they should definitely consider going into Lean. I'm also thinking maybe you should write a book about Lean Six Sigma in data analytics. You know, Brian <laughs> sir. I think it would work. Maybe we will do like a, a collaboration too, because this is definitely like a TDS approved tool that I think if you implement it, it will just elevate your uh, all the relevant metrics of your story yeah. storytelling uh, quality, especially in the areas of trust, value, and then position status in the organization. Sign me up. Let's do it. Fantastic. Well, it's a, it's a deal. Audience, stay tuned for the upcoming book. Uh, <laughs> and this will be, you know, one of those, you know, every year there are these 80, 80 page ebooks coming in from the, you know, from, from the big three as well. They just kind of regurgitate the same thing about how culture eats strategy, but then yep. it never actually packs the real the real punch. There's not enough meat on the bone. This would definitely have it. So um, I, I look forward to that. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it was a pleasure and a, and a lot of fun. We look forward to working with you, Brian.